Uh, well, I'm, I'm glad you all got the memo that we're at two services, and you chose the early service. Uh, although that's the first service. The first shall be last. Last, I, I don't know. Anyway, but uh, please be blessed for being here today. Um, so we have the, the honor and the privilege of hearing uh, my friend Paul Nix preach uh, today. Paul is a missionary with an organization that we pray for on a regular basis called Interchange. Uh, Paul is the, the, the U.S. Director of Interchange. Uh, he's in town visiting with the Minneapolis team. Um, Paul and I go way back uh, to college days. Uh, so if you want the real dirt, um, Paul has plenty of answers, <laughs> questionable stories, um, be, be um, careful what you share. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Paul is married. Uh, he lives in L.A. He's got two kids there. Um, uh, Interchange is a Christian order among the poor. And they often work with, with people groups who the church forgets, uh, who the church doesn't notice. Or if the church does notice, uh, they want to ignore them and forget about them. So, uh, and then one last thing, and then, and then I'll let you preach. Uh, so we have five values here at Restoration. Um, uh, reconciliation, hospitality, contemplation, wholeness, and mission. And that one contemplation, um, many of you tell me that, that you're here at Restoration because you see that value uh, not only on our website but lived out in our church community. Uh, that value was just straight up stolen from Interchange. Um, we, we really love how Interchange was an organization that blended together contemplation and mission uh, because you, you really need both to live a, a healthy um, life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So um, can I pray for you? Uh, Lord Jesus Christ, I, I thank you for my brother Paul, Lord. I thank you for moving in his life. Um, and, and Lord, when you said, come and follow me, um, Paul listened to your word. Uh, his, his wife, Mariah, uh, listened to uh, that word as well, Lord. And so I thank you for the next family, Lord. I thank you for interchange. Lord, may, may you speak through your servant this morning. Uh, may we fall more in love with you um, because of the, the word that we hear today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. And thank you. I have so many stories <laughs> to choose from, and I won't share any of them. Um, man, I'm so blessed to be here. That was a beautiful start already. I feel like I'm here worshiping Jesus with you. So thank you for inviting me. Um, I told a friend... Uh, this week, I was in Grand Rapids visiting a team, and I was like, I'm going to go preach at an Anglican church for the first time. And they're like, okay, they, they're not Anglican. It's like, you know, they like wear robes. And Lisa looked at me, she's like, all of them? I'm like, no, I think it's just the father or the priest. But i um, excited to be here. 20-minute uh, sermons, that's my kind of church. So... Um, yeah, so like Rick said, I'm visiting our team here in Minneapolis in the Phillips neighborhood. Um, some of you might know some of them. And so Rick invited me to preach. I was like, yes, I'd love to. Um, so I'm with Interchange, and we, this summer, just had our first all-staff gathering for many years, and we gathered in Mexico. But one of the challenges is that as our organization grows, we have staff from all over the world, Africa. Latin America, Central America, and it's challenging to get together because as you can imagine, it's hard to find a place where all of us are actually welcome, right? Because our Kenyan team, they couldn't even get a visa appointment to go to Mexico, right? Ethiopian team were denied. We had some Nigerians that got a visa, made it all the way to Cancun, and then were arrested and put back on a plane back to Nigeria. Um, our Central American staff, we have staff from Guatemala and Honduras, 
they couldn't get a visa, but they figured out if you go, if you drive up, make the two-day drive up to the border of Guatemala and Mexico, you can get a regional pass. So they took that risk, I think it was like 20 of them, and they came, got the regional pass, and made it the conference. And all said and done, it was an amazing conference, just a really sweet time. As you can imagine, not seeing each other for you know, four or five years and reconnecting with other missionaries, really rich time. Um, however, after the conference, they had to go back through Mexico to Guatemala and Honduras, which is south of Mexico. Um, well, they're on the bus, and unfortunately, the bus driver actually took a route that wasn't in the region that they had to pass for. They got to a checkpoint, and four of our staff were pulled off the bus, arrested, and their team leaders who were with them um, weren't arrested. They were said, if you stayed, you're going to be charged with trafficking, and so you have to leave your team members here. This is a mother and her daughter from Guatemala, and um, a young man, a young woman, 19 and 20 years old from Honduras, left with the Mexican police, if you're not aware, if you're a Central American in a Mexican detention center, it's not the greatest place to be. So this was a harrowing experience for us, for the body of interchange, just finding this out. Everyone else is just getting home, right? And we find out, man, our friends, our family, we don't even know where they are, right? They don't have any idea which detention center, which um, place in Mexico they're at. So just, just enter this season of prayer. I mean, most of us, all we could do was pray, right? So we organized around-the-clock prayer meetings, and uh, thankfully, after a day, they found out where they were. Um, with you through networking, we found a contact in the Mexican government and was able to um, find out where they were. And then the team leaders were able to go back to Mexico, even though they had no plan. They're just like, "Well, we have to go back and look for them," right? Um, eventually, they found out where they were and the bus routes that they were going to send them home on. Both of them were able to get on the bus with them and journey with them back to their country, and they were safe. Um, and yeah, it was just a, I tell this story because for me, as missionaries, we're all about our mission, right? And this is just so encouraging to know that we can also love each other too when, it, when the time comes. And that's, that's really what this passage in Hebrews is about, is saying he's not, you know, sending them off on mission. He's reminding them, let love continue. And that's what I want to preach on today. So in this passage, we have three lessons that I want us to look at. The first is love, loving one another must be like the daily bread of church life. And I've already seen that here this morning being here. And I think that's why this church is here, because you have that spirit of love. But love really must be like breathing for the church. Secondly, it's God's love for us that makes this kind of life possible, right? It's abiding in God's love, that uh, value of contemplation that Rick mentioned. It's abiding in God's love that allows us to step into radical, sacrificial love for one another and for the city. And finally, three, imitation. Imitation is the process by which we actually grow and learn how to love. So we'll jump in, but for, before we do, if you could just pray with me one more time. I would appreciate that. So, God, um, we're thankful for this, this service already, um, for stepping into a place where we can be together and worship you as one family. So we just ask, would you pierce our hearts this morning? Would you speak through my words and the words I don't say, God? Would you uh, convict 
God, give us soft hearts and lead us towards transformation for your glory, we pray. Amen. Okay, so these first five verses in Hebrews chapter 13. This is the end of the chapter, right? The first 12 chapters is a rich, rich in theology. It's like a very complex argument he's building. And then in chapter 13, it's like his closing remarks, right? He's like his closing instructions. And I see love as a theme before, for these five verses. We see brotherly love, right? Let brotherly love continue. This is Philadelphia. So for brotherly love, we have to see each other more as just friends that we like, but as family. Love expressed through showing hospitality to strangers. Just like we heard in the gospel passage, Jesus dares us to invite the poor, the cripple, the lame, and the blind to our potluck dinners, promising that we'd be blessed. We see love expressed by remembering those who are in prison and the mistreated as if we were there with them. You know, in the story I told, I literally felt I think it was just because we shared this conference together. Like I felt I was there with them, right? My heart was there. And it was almost easy to, you know, fast and pray and give time towards that because we were already connected, right? As if we were there with them, um, acting like we actually share the same body. We see love expressed through marriage, honoring marriage. It's through faithfulness to one another. Knowing that our marriages more importantly, represent this relationship of Christ in the church. So if we're not honoring and protecting our marriages, what are we doing with Christ, right? Our relationship with Christ is just a sham. And finally, love, I think, in the form of contentment, right? Love as this gift of being, of saying we have enough, which is only possible when we're not imprisoned by misdirecting our love towards money, and possessions. I have a friend in LA, he says, in our culture, we love money and use people, whereas it's supposed to be the other way around. We're supposed to use money to love people. So love, let love be the daily bread of our lives. Um, you know, in a myriad of ways. I, 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 the church should be just every day loving one another in big ways, small ways. And I think sometimes, you know, as a new church, for me, as a missionary, we're, we can be so preoccupied with the next thing, with our, with our goals, right, with our programs, running our programs, reaching people, that love, loving one another can kind of drift into the background. And I think this is the heart of this passage that he was saying as the closing words, don't let it drift into the background. So I join and say, um, let it continue. Even like I said, being here this morning, I think some churches can grow for different reasons, right? And just the spirit in this place, it's like you guys like each other, you guys love each other, all the people coming to help, the momentum that's built, that's because of love, right? Because you found a way that you, you meet people and you experience Christ in that, and you experience the love of Christ. So let it continue. Um, I think about what Paul said, that if we reach our goals and we achieve great things, but we haven't loved each other along the way, it's like a noisy gong, right? It's not, it's not worth it. So, but loving each other like this, it's hard. If you're like me, you're like, oh, okay, I could step out into this situation and love this person, but I really don't want to. That's, you know, it's, it's hard work to love one another. So how do we do that? Well, like I said in our second point, God's love for us is the foundation 
of our love for one another. We read in verse 5, Because he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you, we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And it's this fear in our hearts that is the primary thing that keeps us from a life of love, right? Without God's promise of faithfulness to us, without hearing his voice deep in our hearts, our fear will never be driven out and will remain unable to love others because we'll be too busy protecting ourselves. But this is the gospel, that Jesus loves us, right? That he's freed us. They're winning our hearts and setting us free from that dominion of fear and self-preservation. You know, during those days of round-the-clock prayer for my friends, these missionaries, one of my prayers was just that they would be able to rise above that fear themselves. I mean, they're missionaries in a detention center. So just images of Paul and Silas and saying, this is why we're here, right? Not to, like, get out of this hard situation and then be missionaries, but every day. So just praying for them that they would not be afraid, even though it was a very scary situation, but they would preach the gospel, that they would love that they would see this as God's opportunity to reach their fellow inmates, and not inmates, but detainees. Um, and of course, afterwards, hearing stories, one of the detention centers had lots of families in it from Central America. So this mother and daughter, they were like organizing the kids and playing with them. And when they left, they actually have a picture, like a stack of drawings and colorings that all the kids made them saying, thank you for being here. Thank you for caring for us. Of course, so heartbreaking then to leave and know that you're leaving all these families behind. Um, but yeah, it's so grateful that they were able to step into that role of loving. You know, when we hear and believe the gospel, we then have to continue to abide in God's love if we're going to continue to live lives of love. So I pray that as you have received the gospel, as you've encountered God's love, that your hearts would be like cups, right? Every day abiding, finding ways to abide in God's love, that he would fill your cup and that those cups would overflow into the people around you, right? That this church would be filled and overflow into the neighborhood around you. Um, because this is only happens when God first fills us, right? That's what gives us the power, being filled with the Holy Spirit and be, being able to love way beyond our own strength and capacity. And lastly, so we need to love every day we need to soak in God's love for us if we're going to be people who love. And finally, imitation is a process by which we grow in this love. So imitation. Verse 7, we read, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we're encouraged to remember our leaders, right, our preachers and our teachers. But he doesn't say, remember what they told you, right? He doesn't say, remember what they taught you. He says, remember their life. Think about their life. I think of Jesus when he told the people, he kind of said the opposite. He said, the Pharisees, listen to what they say, but don't do what they do, right? But this is new, right? Like in the church, we listen to what they say and we do what we do. This is scary because it actually assumes that our preachers and teachers have lives worth imitating, right? Um, a little bit scary. Um, so 
discipleship, you see, it's not just teaching doctrine, right? It's not just proclaiming truth. It's bringing people along and modeling a lifestyle of love. And we need that imitation. We don't need more people telling us that we need to go visit people in prison. We need people who will tell us that and then take us with them as they visit the prison here in Minneapolis and show them what it means to do ministry in those places, to remember the poor. Um, one of the reasons, I, so I put this photo on the back of my phone of my friend Jose. Um, Rick said that you guys don't do like projectors here, so. Uh, Anglican, I don't know. Um, I could airdrop it to you, I guess. But this photo, this photo is Jose, and he, it's when he just got on the bus with his teammates, right? And his smile is like radiant. He's sitting there, it's like he's relaxed, and he's overjoyed to finally be with his teammates. You know, these are the teammates that he convinced to come to the conference in Mexico, convinced their parents to let them go to Mexico, which is very dangerous for them, and to see them detained, right? Just the worry you'd have as a leader, as the one responsible for them. So he's there with them, so overjoyed. Well, I have that photo on my phone because to me, he's my example, right? Like, this is what a team leader does, a servant leader. You go back to Mexico, even though you don't have a plan. You work day and night to try to find any way to figure out where they are. And then the story is he actually found out where the bus was crossing the border. He went to that border crossing and audaciously just convinced the bus driver to let him on the bus with them to go back to Honduras. So, yeah, I have this photo, and I think we all need those leaders, those mentors in our lives that say, oh, this person really knows what it is. They're modeling a life of love that I want to grow into, a life of faith. So what does it look like for us to find those mentors in the church, discipleship that's more than teaching, but is inviting people into our lives, right, to watch and to learn? This is how we grow to be people who love. So we've seen that love should be like breathing for us, that if we grow and reach our goals and we haven't loved along the way, it's not worth it, right? All we have is a bigger church that doesn't know how to love. Um, we've seen that if we're going to grow in that, we have to abide in God's love to receive his word of love for us. And finally, we see that imitation is how we grow. But, but what's the reward, I wonder? In closing, like what's the, what's the reward for stepping out every day in sacrificing, right? Sacrificing our own desires to love one another as a church. The reward is Jesus. Jesus himself is our reward. During this time of prayer, even though it was horrible, it was scary, right? It was also, in a strange way, it was sacred, right? Because our whole community was gathered together, united, praying for these people. It was like a, and I know this doesn't happen every month, right? But these moments where we come together in a special way. It was like Christ was there with us. And I, I can tell you, I've never felt the nearness of Christ to me, you know, recently as much as just during those three days. It was like worship, it was prayer, it was abiding with Christ in that season. And it reminds me, because in Philippians 3, Paul says this phrase, he says, I want to know Christ. Do you remember this? I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, and sharing in his sufferings, right? So for Paul, knowing Christ isn't just like the power of his resurrection. And I think for me in the faith, I feel like most of the ways I try to 
cultivate intimacy with Christ. It's through prayer, through reading the Bible, through study, through fellowship, worshiping together. Like these are all ways of knowing Christ deeper. But for Paul, I think he also found that it's through suffering that we know Christ intimately. And love, if it's real, is always a form of suffering. It's always giving something up. And I think this is encouraging because we know as we step out in suffering, that's actually an act of saying, Jesus, I want to know you, right? And Jesus promises, like in Matthew 25, as little as you did to the least of these, my brothers, you've done it to me. So as we step out, as we serve one another, as we serve in the church, serve in the neighborhood, and try to do all these expressions of God's love in this city, we're actually drawing near to Jesus himself. Isn't that amazing? And there's nothing, there's nothing greater than actually hosting Jesus' presence, right? I mean, the, the things we long for in our lives, our achievements and our dreams, all those will fade away. But if we actually, in our lives, get to experience the nearness of Christ day in and day out, um, that's what life is about. That's where we're going as we pass through this world. So I encourage you, encourage us, may we listen to this invitation to be a church that dares to love more and more, that discovers Christ among us and maybe entertain angels, like this passage says, knowing that that is our reward. As we grow in love for one another, we find Jesus among us in worship. Well, would you pray with me as we close? God, we thank you that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you for um, our leaders in this church. And we thank you that in the Gospels we have Jesus, his life set out before us, that we might even consider his life. Jesus, we want to consider your life, the outcome of your life, and so that we can imitate you. God, would you give us not only faith in Jesus, but give us faith of Jesus, God. Give us lives that look like Jesus more and more for this church. We ask for that grace, the strength that you would um, just encourage us to continue loving. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.